People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. This is the Under the Visor podcast. From the OU Insider Studios, here's your host, Brandon Drum. Another OU Insider podcast, the Under the Visor pregame podcast with myself, Brandon Drum, Colin Kennedy, our lead assistant lead team and recruiting analyst. And we are joined by Jeremy Clark, who is the only man rocking over their team and recruiting for TCU 247. Uh, it's called gofrogs.com, right? Or the, what's it? It minus hornfrogblitz.com. Hornfrog Man, I always get that freaking mixed up. Hornfrogblitz.com. Uh, and Jeremy, uh, so this this game right here, uh, both teams seem to be they're not what everybody thought they were gonna be to start the season. Uh, but for TCU, I guess we need to start at the quarterback position. Max Max Dugan, Duggan, however anybody wants to call it. Um <laughs> I've heard it called like 15 different names. So um, how do you think? You know, you know the best way to remember it? What's that? Because the, the saying down here at TCU is that the, they, they have videos out there that teach teach me how to Dougie. And oh, so okay. they do that. Teach, teach me how okay. to Dougie. So, it's Dougie. so that's, good, okay. that's the easiest way to remember it. I got you. That's actually pretty clever. But what what is your take on him so far from freshman to sophomore? Because last year to end that season, it really did look like he was taking massive strides, uh, becoming kind of a big game player for TCU and came up here to Norman and about shocked the world as a true freshman. What is your overall take on how he's progressed from freshman to sophomore? I, I think Max has overall looked – uh, pretty improved compared to last year. Last year, he had those true freshman mistakes. He, he started off the season without throwing an interception. Then by the last few games of the season, you look up and he has 10. But he still had the best season for a true freshman uh, at TCU in school history. I mean, he threw for over 2,000, was second on the team with 555 rushing. And you saw the potential last year. But the one knock against him last year was the decision-making. He threw into a crowd – uh, he was a turnover machine there late in the season. This year so far, three games in, uh, starting with Iowa State, he didn't play the first half. We all talked to Gary about it, why he didn't play. He said he they didn't know if he was going to quite be game shape ready. I mean, the, for crying out loud, the guy was coming off a heart surgery, and there was a lot of people that didn't even know if he was going to be able to play. But he goes out, throws for 241, three, intercepts, or three touchdowns. He had an interception, which really wasn't his fault. 
and uh, looked really, really good. And a lot of people thought, hey, if Max would have played that entire game, TCU might have won that football game. Mm -hmm. uh, they still had to make improvements on defense to stop Iowa State. But the way you, uh, the way Duggan played in the second half, you had optimism going down to Austin. In Austin, he was another Longhorn killer. I mean, he has had great games in his two appearances. He's 2-0 against Texas. He threw the ball extremely well, ran the ball extremely well. He didn't have any touchdown passes, but he didn't have any mistakes either. Last week against Kansas State, he, he he was coming into the game. He was completing 73.5% of his passes, which I think tied him fourth nationally. So when you go out and you play a team like Kansas State, which was one of the league's worst defenses, he kind of reverted back to what he looked like as a freshman. Um, he wasn't making all of his throws. He wasn't real accurate, kind of had some bad decisions. And to be honest, I don't think the play calling really suited him. They were they kept letting him run. He was getting banged up pretty good. But overall, to make this long answer very short, <laughs> it he's he's much improved from last year in a, in a lot of aspects of this game. Do you do you do you see him being? Um, I, I know they're they're completely different uh, as far as skill set goes and what they bring to the table because Duggan's more. Sam Ellinger than he is, you know, Travon Borkin. But do you see him progressing and getting TCU back to that level of quarterback play? I'm talking consistency at some point in time during his career. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the guy's going to go out there and, and give it his all. Uh, he is a true competitor. Um, funny story I, I tell a lot of guys on, on my side is, I went and watched Max when he was in high school. He, this kid is extremely hard on himself. He led his team to a 51-7 win and accounted for six touchdowns in that win, but he had two interceptions. And he was so mad about those two interceptions after the game that he completely didn't acknowledge what he did uh, good in the football game. And, and that's the type of competitor he is. He's going to keep trying to do everything he can to get better. And I know a lot of people look at Max and they see his running ability. I remember last year when he had that long run against OU, there were some people in the press box that thought that was a running back and it was actually Max running down the sideline. So he's <laughs> definitely got the speed. If you guys go back and you look at all the uh, opening regional spark scores, I mean, out of all the quarterbacks in the country that competed in that, he had the highest spark score. So he's right. very strong and and very fast. And, and, and I'm glad you brought up Boykin, Brandon, because – out of all my years covering this this team, 15 years, out of all the high school camps I've attended, Trevon Boykin and Max Duggan had the, the strongest arms I've ever seen in person at a TCU camp. He's got wow. a very strong arm. Um, and I think people haven't seen that yet because he's still young. He's, he's still competing out there. But I, I think Max can get things done through the air and on the ground. And But the main thing I think is – uh, so positive for him is is just the willingness to get out there and be the leader and do everything he can to help his team win. Well, I, I want to ask both of you guys this next question, um, kind of reverting. Say We'll stay in the backfield. Um, everybody asks, and I've had the question a thousand times already on the message board, are we going to get to see Zach Evans play this week? Is, <laughs> is he going to play against Oklahoma? Uh now, granted, I don't know the story on that because I don't follow TCU as, you know, obviously as close as you do, Jeremy. Um, but 
we'll start with Colin. Just I want to give your synopsis of what you thought Zach Evans was. I, I, I know I thought he was one of the freakier athletes. You and I saw him in Houston, uh, 2018, right? Opening regional, and he was a freak. He was really good. Um, I saw him down at the Under Armour game where he was an unbelievable back. Uh, but give a comparison to what you think Zach Evans can be as a player in college. I know it's tough because he's very, he's different. Uh, and your expectations. And then Jeremy, when we get to you, can you, as a follow-up, can you talk about that situation and what, what are the expectations for TCU? I guess we'll start with Colin. Yeah, I think Zach Evans obviously is one of the best backs that the state of Texas has seen in the past few years. And one of the comparisons that has kind of stuck that I would agree with to a degree has been Adrian Peterson. I mean, when the guy is out there, he's just that level of different and he can impact the game in such a way that one fans are boiling right now, by the way. uh, Hey, I'm not afraid of it. I'm here for it. I mean, I'm just here to do my job, and my job is to say, look, man, this guy, Zach Evans, has the ability to do something special when he puts it all together, and that's going to be the key, obviously, because, I mean, Brandon, you mentioned we saw him at the opening regional in Houston in 2018, but then, of course, I was also in attendance for the Texas high school playoffs when he had to miss the state championship game, and it's really just come down to can Zach Evans put it all together on the field and off the field. And if he is able to, and I think he will, he has that ability to be one of the better backs that TCU's had in a long time. And he can play on that level of some really damn good college football running backs, man. I'm very excited to see what his career holds in the future. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think he's extremely talented. Like you guys have seen him in person. I, I have too. And as far as running backs go and athleticism, I mean, he's one of the the top running backs I've ever seen TC land. And, and, and he is the uh, top recruit ever uh, to sign with TCU. Uh, kind of the situation he's in right now. As we all know all the, all the COVID-19 situations you have people that, have been out, uh, whether they've been close contact, whether they've been uh, diagnosed with the virus. With Zach's case, I I think it's a little bit of just being out a lot in fall camp, and and that's the reason why we haven't seen him. I think he had not one but two uh, instances where he had to sit out because he was a close contact. And those close contacts – you're, you're thinking at one period of time, 14 days, if you got two of those, you're basically out for a month. So not only is it just getting getting to learn the system, um, even showing that – we all know he can run the ball. We all know he can catch. But we all know there's, there's more involved with getting on the field as a running back. You've got to be able to do those things. You've got to be able to know what you're doing, and you've got to be able to pass protect, especially in the Big 12 where teams want to throw. So I think 
as we as we go uh, down the season, we get more games. I think we'll start to see more of Zach Evans. But I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, it is a very, very talented running back group at TCU. You've got Darwin Barlow. You've got DeMarque Foster, who we had him as the number eight running back in the 2019 class. You've got Kendra Miller, who is a very, very under-the-radar player out of East Texas that has really impressed uh, the coaching staff and, and really the fans. I mean, the fans really like him a lot too. But Zach is is obviously very, very talented, and we, we saw a little bit more of him against Kansas State last week. And I think moving forward, we'll probably see more of him. I, I don't know how much we'll see him against Oklahoma, but I would think they've got to have some type of package out there for him ready to get involved. Yeah, I yeah, that's what I was, you know, I was wondering, you know, the situation there because Oklahoma had a similar uh, situation with Trey Norwood, who <laughs> he missed 28 days. He got injured, then was caught close. He was contact tracing, mm-hmm. and then he got COVID. So it was like bam, bam, bam for that kid. It was he was out 28 straight days. 20. Well, there's been a case at there's been a case at TCU, and I don't, I won't mention the player, but he was out twice for close contact and then toward the end of his second close contact he tested positive Ooh. and so he was out even further so the 10-day testing positive thing is is kind of out the window as far as 10 days go you go 10 days you come back and then you take your EKG you do your blood work your MRIs and those 10 days right. typically turn into about 14 so if you got a guy that's been out twice for close contact and then test positive you're missing easily 40 days Oh, that's yeah. a lot of prep time. Oh my gosh, that's that's, that's half the season. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, pretty uh, much. That's sad. Um, the 2020 baby, gotta love it. Um, yeah, I I, I want to kind of piggyback on your you guys' synopsis of uh, Zach Evans. So we went and watched him down in Houston, like I was talking about at the opening regional, and I believe he ran a four four five ish something to that extent. Um, and everybody was just, it is a buzz. And then in Zach Evans style, he walks over and he just doesn't do a whole lot after, you know, cause he was done with it. This was, people need to understand this was the young, immature Zach Evans, Gary Patterson in that system that doesn't fly. So I can imagine that dude is straight as an arrow now. And that is good because for me, I always thought he needed to be in a system like that to where there was no leeway. It was black or white. There's no gray area of what you can and can't do in a Gary Patterson system. You're either going to do the job or you're not going to play. And I think that was a positive wake-up call for him. So I always felt like the move to TCU was probably the best move possible for him, uh, getting him in that system, in that culture. Uh, And getting him away from those habits that I think he was enabled to do while he was in high school. I think that's a fair set. I mean, that's fair, right? People enabled him because he was a star, right? And I thought that everything started to shift when he went to the Under Armour game and Deion Sanders, sorry, I'm very nasally today because I got a cold um, and allergies. Allergies are killing us up here right now. But he, he said he pulled him aside, and I guess all week really made Zach Evans. I'm sure you've heard all this, Jeremy. Uh, 
really talked to him and made him, you know, see his errors that he made and be like, dude, you can't do this. Like you have all the potential in the world. You've got to make your grades. You've got to do this, that, and the other. And then obviously Zach got up there and he did his, you know, his talk on national television, apologized for some of the things that he did in the past and really wanted to write some things. And I thought you saw a different Zach that week. And it seems like it's carried over. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. I mean, for all the fans out there that were kind of disgruntled that he wasn't their schools and uh, so forth. And a lot of people were, were calling, calling him for, for lack of better terms, a, a head case. Um, he's really been <laughs> the very model student athlete at TCU. Um, ever since he's been on campus since June, I have not heard one bad thing about Zach Evans' attitude. That's awesome. Um, he, he's not coming in there with a greater than thou attitude uh, that you might see with some five-star prospects. And I think, Brandon, you get the nail on the head as far as the culture goes. And Gary's not going to put up with that if there's anyone that follows TCU football. You know, uh, regardless of where you're ranked, if you come in there and you don't perform, you can very easily get beat out by a three-star or two-star or even a walk-on player. And uh, the great thing about Zach is, is I haven't heard any any kind of uh, negative things about him off the field. And, and pretty much, even though he's not getting a lot of playing time right now, he's still going to practice every day, still working hard and uh, trying to push for to get more playing time out there competing. So that's all you can ask for. Yeah, do you think we'll see uh, him carry the ball at all this weekend? Well, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't know how they'll get him involved in the game plan, but I know each week, as each week progresses, he's he's getting more time against Kansas. Or, uh, sorry, against Texas, we saw him in there for a complete series, and then Kansas State was kind of the same way. Uh, he was in there late in the first half. Um, but I, I would say when you have that type of talent and you've only, listen, you only got one football and you've got four to five extremely talented running backs in that group. Amari Demicardo is another guy that I didn't mention earlier. That's the old guy of the group. He's a junior, but he's, he's pretty versatile and probably the best run blocker or pass protection blocker they have. So, uh, it's just, it's just getting, getting those guys involved, but, I, I would assume that we'll probably see Zach on the field at least for a series or two. How many carries he gets out of that series, I don't know. But I, I know they're trying to get him more involved. But it's not going to be one of those situations where they're trying to get him involved just because he's a five-star. It's because he's he's worked through practices. He's done well enough to where they feel comfortable where they can put him out there on the field. I got you. Um, as far as – and I, I want to – shift away from Zach Evans a little bit, but I know that that was going to be a topic that it's been talked about a lot on the board, especially on OU Insider. So we needed to kind of get that out of the way to start with because he he is such a uh, a dynamic figure and uh, a big name, no matter where you're at and just because of his recruitment and all that. Uh, Colin, we saw Oklahoma this past week. We saw their growth if you will uh or the which we what we thought the was growth in those final you know four overtimes we saw a young quarterback kind of come into his own in that second half after a rough rough first half um what is your thoughts on Spencer Rattler how does he 
I guess, piggyback off of his play against Texas. And for you, Jeremy, what do you think is going to be the key for TCU stopping Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler? We'll start with with Colin. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I wrote about this in some storylines to follow for this week, is this is the time for Spencer Rattler to truly establish that next step that he's going to take. Obviously, the first half against Texas was not what he wanted by any means, but as he kind of helped that Oklahoma squad navigate the second half, a blundered lead, able to secure it in four overtimes, then hit the bye week and learn from that experience, this is the exact moment that Rattler has to show he's learning and he's growing. And if he doesn't, then one of the best defensive minds in all of college football is going to expose that. So I think right now, and I I wrote about this for, for Jeremy, Rattler's pure strength is just that arm talent, and we knew that. But it was always going to be, can he match the the brain with the arm? And I think we saw that come to fruition a little bit against Texas, specifically in the second half. But he has to do that for a full four quarters and maybe longer against TCU. And that TCU defense, to me, is going to be very difficult to handle. Obviously, they may not be meeting the complete expectations from a year ago, but it's still loaded with talent and full of great minds leading the way. So for Rattler going into this game, I want to see what is the next step that he takes because if he takes a step forward, Oklahoma's in a great position not only for this game on Saturday, but for the rest of the season. If he takes a step back, this thing could really kind of blunder away. And, I mean, they kind of have to figure it out because if he doesn't get better – it could make some easier games after TCU look a little bit more difficult than they actually should be. That's fair. I think the one thing we'll see from uh, from Barry's defense on on Saturday is trying to disguise the coverages that they're showing. Um, for whatever it's worth, Gary's defense is susceptible to giving up big plays. But when they do play younger quarterbacks, guys that are in their first year starters, they do have a little bit more success. That doesn't mean they're going to be overly aggressive and try to blitz Spencer every chance they get. Uh, and Gary even admitted that sometimes when you do that, that's when they hit you over the top or that's when they hit you for big plays. So I don't expect to see TCU really blitz Rattler that much. Um, they, they obviously respect their run game still, and they obviously respect the, the heck out of those receivers they got. But – the, the key for, for, for Gary's defense when they're facing a young quarterback is just to disguise everything as much as they can. And, and with the safeties they have and the corners, Noah Daniels is playing extremely well uh, right now. He's, I think he's literally given up one catch for 12 yards this year to outside receiver. He's playing extremely well. He was hurt wow. last year. And, and that's a guy Oklahoma recruited out of high school. I mean, he's a very good player, but uh, it, it's, far as last week goes when they faced Will Howard true freshman making his first start even though Kansas State won they they limited Will Howard to eight completions out of I think 19 or 20 attempts Mm -hmm. and it's it's one of those things where they just love to disguise the coverages now I will say this Spencer according to Gary you've you've got as Oklahoma fans you've got to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because even Gary said it's it's kind of unfair for him right now because he's playing behind 
two Heisman winners and a guy that was selected in the second round of the NFL draft. And the other two were picked first overall. So he said Spencer Rattler is is still an extremely good quarterback, and he thinks he's going to be a very good quarterback in the future. And he knows he's got a tough task with his defensive backs this week. But they've got to get pressure somehow on the defensive line. It, like I said, you can't be overly aggressive and just blitz from uh, all aspects. You can't send linebackers, or you're going to get you're going to get gashed over the middle. You can't send corners or outside guys are going to be wide open. So they, they've got to get better play up front. And that's something they really haven't done a good job of. They've only got four sacks on the year. So it, it's going to be up to uh, TCU's defensive ends and, and really their their whole defensive line to get some type of pressure against OU, which won't be necessarily easy since they haven't had much success so far this season. Yeah, um, I'm going to kind of – unpack both of you both of you guys' statements because uh, Colin what you said is exactly so I was on the Tulsa Sports Animal I do it every morning or every Thursday between 9 9:20 and 10:20ish um we usually go to about 10:50 or 10:40ish uh every Thursday uh but there there you like that plug you like that plug guys uh <laughs> <laughs> the subtle plug uh but yeah, so uh, and it's in Tulsa, Tulsa Sports Animal Field, nine hundred one. Um, but yeah, so I said the exact same thing you said, Colin. I said, you know, if they don't root, they don't piggyback off what they did against Texas, it could be a brutal, brutal start to something not so good because they're young, they're inexperienced, they still don't have. And this is this is the unfortunate thing for Oklahoma right now is that. Jeremy, listen, listen to these names. Listen to these names. These are the guys that are either opted out, suspended, or are hurt at OU right now. Listen to this. Ronnie Perkins suspended. Trajan Bridges suspended. Ramondre Stevenson suspended. Opted out. Uh, Jalen Redmond. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> who's the other? Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, <laughs> that's Kennedy who Brooks. I'm taking up the whole time. Yeah. Okay. So those five names to start. Now you have Caleb Kelly, who blew his knee out. He'll be back next year. You have Jaden Hazelwood, who will be back. Kansas right now is what they're looking like, um, but he's missed the whole season. You have uh, Marcus Hicks is out of defensive line. You have Braden Willis, who's week to week with a knee knee injury. Um you have who am I missing, Colin? I know I'm missing a uh, couple couple of bumps and bruises like for Seth McGowan. Yeah, who, Seth McGowan was out. That's right. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas got Isaiah shoulder, Thomas. He'll yeah, back. he'll be back. Uh, he'll be back. They're gonna work on his little shoulder injury after the yeah, season. Stogner bunch of bumps and bruises. So. Stogner, yeah. Do you hear those names? That is what OU like think about that going into the season. And you think, oh my God, this Oklahoma team is going to be really good. And then all that happens. And everybody's like, what in the hell? That, that is. Uh, it's amazing you guys are two and two. It, it really is, actually, because that is, that is a lot of all Big 12, all American NFL draft picks just gone. And they got all these freshman guys in there. But the, and the, the Oklahoma should be four and oh. I mean, they shouldn't have lost those games against K State and TCU, not TCU, Iowa State. They could lose to TCU. That's a very real possibility, actually. 
but they they they're missing all those guys. Uh, so that's leadership gone uh, on the field that they normally would have. And so these guys don't know how to handle. So you get back in the post Texas game is always the biggest game of the year because that's going to make or break Oklahoma season usually because it's such a emotional roller coaster for them that they have to come back and play another game. And if they don't win that ball game, which sometimes they don't, it could be uh it, 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 some, it, it's usually a make or break game for them. And I think more importantly, it is this year. I really do. Um, especially with a redshirt freshman quarterback, a guy that's inexperienced all the way around. Four games isn't enough to say you have a lot of experience. Sorry. As talented as he is. And to your point, with that experience, you're going to get, like you said, Gary Patterson disguising all of those defenses, doing things that, you know, he hasn't seen, and I fully expect that, by the way, Jeremy. <laughs> I have expected it all week that he's going to walk up to the line, pre-snap read it, and he's going to throw it right to a TCU defender. And that's not Rattler's fault. It's just he hasn't seen it yet. So if he hasn't seen it, how is he going to be able to read it? You know what I mean? Like, it, right. you, can't, you can't read what you've never seen. It's impossible. You can't lead a blind man uh, – you have to lead a blind man to the ocean, basically, I guess is what I'm saying. And that just doesn't – he is. He's blind when it comes to reading defenses because there's a lot he's never seen because the complexities of college defenses. The same goes for a rookie in the NFL. It's much different than the college, just like college is much different than high school. So there's a lot he still has to learn. And Gary Patterson being the Wizard of Oz of defenses is going to – he's going to be a problem. I, I fully expect there to be – this is going to be – Oklahoma fans better get ready because there's going to be some turnovers in this ball game. I would say if there's anything that you can get against Patterson's defense, obviously they give up the big plays. But when they face teams that go up-tempo and go fast and they really don't give defensive, defenses time to sub, sometimes Gary has late calls on defense. Sometimes they're still shifting while the snap is happening. So right. I would say for, for any any success, if Oklahoma uses that up-tempo and gets to the line fast and tries not to dictate their offense, it's going to sound crazy, not really dictate their offense based on what Gary's defense is doing. Just let them run their offense and let Gary's defense stop them. Right. Um, and, and when teams go fast like that, and, and I haven't watched enough of Spencer to see if he's really a – running quarterback if he's really mobile I know obviously the last three definitely were and that's something that is also very troublesome for Gary's defenses when they have a mobile quarterback um, I mean for crying out loud they gave up an 80 yard run to Kansas State's Will Howard uh, a couple weeks ago so <laughs> I mean it's that there's there's going to be lapses uh, if you have a mobile quarterback but I, I would say for now that the kryptonite for Gary's defenses, as long as I've been covering them, is the big plays and teams that go fast and have quarterbacks that can run have always presented big problems for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Colin this uh, analogy here. I, am I, is it fair? Rattler is a mix between Mayfield and Hurts. Is that is that a fair as far as like – Yeah, because, I mean, Kyler Murray is in a world of his own. Yeah, exactly. So, you can't really – yeah, that's not fair. I think he's very similar to Baker – yeah, obviously, the, the 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 swag and everything, everyone wants to just glue those two together, right? But I think 
What's really interesting for me, and we talk about this mixing of coverages versus big plays or Spencer Rattler learning against what he's going to see in TCU. The big thing for me here is going to be TCU's linebackers because Garrett Wallow and D. Winters have been so much fun to watch to this point in the season. I'd argue they're the best duo in the Big 12 and maybe one of the better in the country. But at the same time, we've seen Rattler, to, to Jeremy's question, you start to utilize his legs a little bit more often. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that he's just afraid to turn the ball over as he's had several turnovers to this point. But I think another part of that is him relying on his legs because he doesn't necessarily know what he's seeing from a secondary perspective. I trust in TCU's defensive backs. I mean, obviously the big names are all over the field. And to a degree, I really like those linebackers, but if they're able to stop Spencer from scrambling around and they force him to try to dissect these coverages, then that's where I think Gary Patterson's really going to benefit. So for me, I really want to see what these two linebackers bring to the table because one of them's probably going to have to provide some sort of presence in coverage. The other one's probably going to have to make sure that Rattler isn't scrambling around. And if they're able to do their jobs well, and I think that they can because, again, I'm so impressed with them, that's really going to put Rattler in a tough spot because that forces him to go up against directly those TCU safeties and corners who, as you mentioned, Jeremy, they, they look pretty darn good and they have established some pretty solid reputations in their own right. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So I guess to add to what you were saying, Jeremy, and questioning his mobility, Rattler made a couple of really crucial runs against Texas. And you'll see the way he runs, he's got a little – he's shifty. I mean, he's not exactly going to blaze you, but inside a box, for some odd reason, he's real slithery like Baker was where you can just stop and go on a dime real quick and change directions on you. Um, and it's almost unexpected when you watch him do it because you're like, how did that gangly kid just make that move? Or he, he does like a little step back and then starts and goes again. And you get like three defenders running into each other because he made some move. And you're like, wow, that was, you know, I haven't seen him do that yet. And it's, it's always something new with him each and every week. And I think that's something OU fans aren't used to. They're learning about Rattler as they go, whereas you knew what you were going to get out of Kyler. You knew what you are going to get out of Baker. You knew what you were going to get out of Jalen each and every week. You don't know what you're going to get with, with Rattler because everything's new because it's new to him. So it's going to be new to you as a fan, as a coach, as a reporter watching the game as well. Um, and, and like you said, Colin with the, and Jeremy with the defensive backs, and I wanted to get to that talking about the defensive backs and why, why is Gary Patterson's defensive backs always so good? They're always so good. How are, how do they manage to do it each and every year? And the rest of the big 12 maybe has one or two guys that can play. They have four or five every year and they're not the most highly rated guys. Most of the time, 
what is it? Jeremy, Colin, talk to me here. Come on, help me out. What is this? I think you just, from a recruiting perspective, you go out and find the best athletes. Uh, I think with uh, uh, Merrick, you had a guy that was kind of a do-everything for Smithson Valley, and they, they saw that he could be a great free safety. Yeah. Oh, you recruited um, him, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, Noah Daniels was another highly recruited yeah. guy. But Ardarius, and I'll tell this story, Ardarius Washington – it was funny because everyone knew that he was committed to LSU and everyone knew when he was committed to LSU, it really wasn't a commitment. Like they were just waiting for a way to drop him from the scholarship. He's not very big. He's, he's actually gained some great weight since he arrived at TCU, but out of high school, he wasn't a very big safety. But if you turned on and watched his film for two minutes, all you can see was this kid flying to wherever the ball was. He has great, great ball skills, great awareness. And TCU, they didn't really start recruiting. They recruited him, but they didn't offer him until late in the process. And it was one coach in particular, because really the staff didn't want to offer him, but there was one coach in particular that basically stood on the table and said, we've got to get this guy. This guy is just a football player. That's all he is. And they take him, and after he red shirts, people start talking about how great he was on the scout team. And when he came in last year for Vernon Scott, he immediately started making plays and no matter how big, big the kid is, he's still regarded in, in, in everyone that covers the big 12 knows who our Darius Washington is just based off one year. I mean, he, he was really good. Um, yes, he was. They, it's, it's a lot of, it's a, to answer your question, I really don't have the formula. Um, <laughs> I know, I, I know a lot of it has to do with, with coaching. Gary I know is. Gary P. Has yeah. Gary, right. Gary obviously played safety and, and he knows the position safety is his baby. Uh, before Paul Gonzalez took over at safety coach, he was basically uh, a safeties coach. Gary took over the safeties and coached those guys, but he knows so much in and out about the position. Uh, as far as corners, he just finds guys that are extremely athletic guys that he feels like, it could be great corners in the big 12 and he's got a I mean, Jeff Glad, he's the latest guy. I mean, he's a two star out of new yeah. Boston and just a great athlete. And they, they saw something in him that they felt could be a really good asset to their program and, and really playing defense in the big 12 overall. But it's, it's one of those things he'll probably write a book about it, Brandon, when he retires and, and just talks about the way he was able to develop those defensive backs, whether it's a safety or corner. Colin, what's your what's your what's your take on why why I, I have my own version of why, but I wanted to let you go before me. Yeah, I think what I've always really respected about TCU is they don't overthink it. I mean, when it comes to recruiting, if a guy pops on the tape, just take him. And whether it's defensive backs or defensive linemen or just anyone in general. The Horn Frogs are going to go after a guy if they feel like they can develop him into something that can contribute at the next level. And time and again, we see TCU take guys who had two offers, three offers, or were undersized guys that weren't necessarily takes for big-name programs and turn them into NFL draft picks. I mean, TCU's quietly been one of the more productive schools across the country in terms of putting talent in the National Football League. And it's simply because they are never going to kid themselves and try to say, well, we think this guy is something that maybe he isn't. At the end of the day, Gary Patterson and that staff just know if a guy can play football. 
and they trust in the ability that they can coach them to play football at the highest level. And guess what happens time and again, exactly that. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with both of y'all on Gary Patterson has the formula and they don't overthink the recruiting. Uh, I, I love how he goes and finds, even if it's a quarterback that's an athlete and says, you know what, man, you don't have the greatest arm, uh, but you're really fast. And since you know how to read a defense because it, better than a normal person because of the quarterback play, we're going to put you at defensive back because you know what the quarterback's also thinking. And I think that allows defensive backs that were quarterbacks in high school, it allows them to process things that are happening on the field faster uh, than just a normal guy that they just stuck with defensive back their whole life, in my opinion. And I think you see that a lot of what Gary Patterson does with some of those guys that are just straight athletes, as Colin pointed out. And he never changes. I, I feel like he, he calls them a simple game plan, but yet his guys buy into the system so well that it it works. And they don't have to think. They get to just react instead of read and react. And I think that is maybe the most lost art in football defensively, in my opinion, in the last decade. Is that fair? Because people do this read and react because of being spread out, all the RPOs and stuff like that. There's a lot of things you have to digest in a very fast amount of time right now as a defender. Whereas they didn't have to do that in previous years. Like this is a hard time to be a defender. Yeah. And they've somehow figured it out still. It's pretty remarkable. I tip of the hat, my friend, Gary Patterson. I mean, you want to watch a guy that, that, personifies what you just described and Colin mentioned him earlier, D winners, D winners. I don't even think played linebacker in high school. He played pretty much every other position on the field. Safety, Yeah. He was safety. Yeah. He, and, and a lot of schools recruited him as a receiver and he's, I mean, he's, he's having a, a an extremely good year at linebacker. I mean, he's right behind Garrett wallow and tackle and tackles, but I think he's going to be one of those kids by the time you look up, at the end of the year, and we have all the Big 12 teams, I think he's going to definitely be uh, involved in, in at least getting an honorable mention, if not second team. No, I mean, and, and he's so – I'm sitting here thinking, he he's so he's not, like, real tall either. I no. mean, he's, what, six foot, six one? Yeah, maybe six one. Not, he's not gained the, good weight, though. He's put on about 25 pounds of solid muscle in two years. Yeah, that's not that's – not, not bad. Uh, well, I guess to end this podcast, uh, break down what what you guys expect out of this game. Um, Jeremy, we'll start with you. What? How do you see this game playing out? Uh, starting, I guess, with how many people do you think are going to be in the stands? Uh, how How do you see how many, how many towels does Gary Patterson go through? Um, <laughs> I mean, let, let's let's dive deep into this bad boy, okay? Well, well first of all, <laughs> capacity is twelve thousand, and if there's more than five hundred Crimson fans there, then shame on UTCU fans for giving those tickets away. Um, I, I I think it's it's is it going to be one of these games we're going to see six of these non contests have come by one score or less? I mean, it's it's crazy how close some of these games have been. Uh, I would say offensively for, for TCU. It starts up front. I mean, we we say it. It sounds cliche, but I, I'm just being honest with you. 
if they can't get any blocking up front, Oklahoma is going to not only win this game, they're going to dominate it. Uh, TCU's offensive line is among the worst, not only in the Big 12, but the entire country. They gave up seven sacks to Iowa State's three-man front. They only gave up one sack against Texas, but Max probably got hit at least 10, 10 to 12 times. And against Kansas State, he, he got hit multiple, multiple times, enough to where he had to leave the game in the first half. If they could give Max some type of protection and at least get a run game established, then I like this game a whole lot more for TCU, not to win, but to, to keep it close. Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, I guess I'm not as optimistic as, as you guys uh, are for TCU winning this game or having a chance to win. It, and simply because last week it seemed like they took a huge step back and they played Kansas State. I don't really think they have an identity right now in offense. The big topic right now is up-tempo. The first two games, they went up-tempo. Kansas State, it seemed like they slowed the game down to, to try to keep Kansas State off the field, which Kansas State did the exact same thing. So it became a very short game. But I would say that Gary's defense, they're, they're going to – or he's going to Gary's going to probably tell the offense to slow things down. Don't be so up tempo. Try to keep Oklahoma's offense on the sideline. That way, his defense isn't uh, as susceptible as giving up big plays. But it's it's going to be offense. If TCU can't score, I mean, duh, if they can't score, they're not going to win. But if they can't score at least twenty five to thirty, I think it's Oklahoma all the way. Because I still think, even though you guys feel TCU's defense is is good, and I think their defense is good. I still think they're prone to give up big plays. And I think Oklahoma obviously has the, the skilled players to do that, get it done. Uh, it's it's one of those games where I just look and I see Spencer Rattler dropping back and throwing a couple 45-yard bombs and getting big completions. And and next thing you know, Oklahoma about two scores and, and TCU is out of it. They're not going to have a chance to come back. But it's going to take a lot up front. And when you guys watch this game, and remember – Oklahoma had seven sacks against Texas. Is that right? It yes. it may equal that. It may equal that. I mean, that's we, the the tackle position right now for TCU is not very strong, and teams have they've keyed in on that and they've taken advantage of it. So if Oklahoma if TCU can't get any push against Oklahoma's D line, this game's over. It's not it's not going to be it's not going to bode well for TCU. That, that, I remember I remember watching TCU Iowa State. And man, Jeremy, I think you hit the nail on the head because I remember a sequence where Austin Myers, the left tackle, gives up either just a massive quarterback hit or a sack, and they pull Myers for TJ Storman, and Storman does like the same exact thing. I'm same just, exact thing. I, I I don't know what you do in that situation, especially with Downing <laughs> playing so much in that situation. I mean, it was just a rough game to watch, and I think TCU's offensive line was. Probably one of the biggest question marks for me going into the season. I hyped up TCU squad so much in the preseason, so I'm hoping for a good game this time around. But a lot of it's going to come down to that offensive line up front for TCU. And Oklahoma's defensive line has really started to come into its own. Those JUCO defensive tackles have started to, to figure things out. And Isaiah Thomas has really emerged as maybe the primary presence on OU's D-line. So that's going to be key for Oklahoma's defense. And I think really – it's just going to come down to tackling because I love TCU's receivers and running backs. I think they have so many good skill position players, some of the better I've seen in the program. 
But at the same time, if Oklahoma can just bring them down, there's an opportunity to limit offensive production against TCU. Thing is, though, I mean, Oklahoma's defense has just been bad in terms of tackling. And, I mean, Iowa State would have a thing or two to say about that. So it's really interesting for me. I think when you look at TCU's running back specifically, we've talked about Zach Evans and all those guys. I mean, look, Brees Hall, Deuce Vaughn, those running backs had big days against OU's defense. I think TCU's running back could have a similar – kind of outing and that's what really could kind of take shape of this game and then overall I, I just think for Oklahoma's offense man it, it we've touched on it so much but Rattler's just gonna have to grow up and I think TCU's defensive line while they may not necessarily be the most pressure oriented right now they don't necessarily have to be which I think is a good thing because again you're facing such a young quarterback if you can just kind of get him off his spot that's where those those back seven guys really start to to come into the, the fold. So we'll see. I think this has a chance, honestly, to be a shootout. If that TCU offense can put the pieces together, because Lord knows they have the puzzle pieces, it's just going to come down to who kind of wins that line of scrimmage because everyone else is so good on the perimeter. So I, I think OU is going to win, but I could see this one being a very much fireworks show down in Fort Worth. I think it should be a lot of fun. So, okay, Jeremy, did you give a score? I didn't give a score because I, quite frankly, I, I, I suck at giving score predictions. Oh, come um, on. I do too. That's all good. <laughs> it's for me, I still, I think the defense is, is going to make some stops, but I also think they're going to give up some big plays. I, I see Oklahoma scoring at least 30. I see TCU scoring around 24. I, I feel it's going to be one of those close games again. It's going to be one of those games Always. because this has been TCU's luck. They've been so close, and, and the TCU fans hate it when I say it, and they hate even hearing about how close. I think they're now one and eight the last two years in one-score games, and the only the only time they've been been beat by double digits was against Iowa State last year, uh, 49-24 up in Ames. So they've played these games really close, and just because I think the Frog fans are going to have to feel some more – heartburn and and defeat I think it's going to be one of those games where TCU has a chance to win but they're going to they're going to do some things that's allow Oklahoma to escape Fort Worth with a win I, I think it's going to be 30 to 24 somewhere around there okay no I like it I'm with I'm with you guys as well I think I think the offensive line for Oklahoma seems like it's starting to I guess round into shape I was just speaking to a source literally in the middle of our podcast and one of them said hey you know that offensive line came in because of the covid because of a lot of situations a lot more out of shape than they normally would have and one of the players that had even admitted to it was tyrese robinson said i was way out of shape when i showed up to norman and he looked different. I mean, and he would tell you he's an awesome, honest kid, a great kid on top of it, and a really good player whenever he's in shape. Uh, and he, he he struggled to start the year. You could see the holdings, calls, all that stuff, and that's compounded by his lack of you know, being in shape and being game ready as far as physicalness goes. Uh, and he, he struggled. Um, but he started to come around. You can see it. Uh, was a little bit, uh, I guess, against Iowa State. You saw a little bit better. And then really you saw the way he lasted during the Texas game and 
didn't have the mental areas that he had against Kansas State. Uh, and he even had one against one or two against Missouri State, which was just dumbfounding. Uh, but he, you can see him improving. Add Chris Murray to this, and it seems like that o, OU offensive line is getting better. It's coming into shape. Uh, it's, it's, they're starting to mesh and gel a little bit, and you're starting to see that nastiness that they, they had in previous years. Uh, and, and Pledger and Marcus Major got to reap the benefits because of that. I think you saw a lot better running game from Oklahoma against Texas. Now, they're going to have to do it back-to-back games for me to be able to really believe it. I think Colin would probably agree with that. Um, but it, it seems like they're moving in the right direction. And on top of that, Jeremy, you talked about it being up front, the defensive front, the offensive front, so the battle in the trenches, that whole cliche, it all starts up front. Well, it's true. And OU's defensive line has been pretty damn good the past two weeks, past two games, uh, getting pressure. I mean, they they cannot be at fault for that Iowa State game because I'll tell you this much, uh, they had Iowa State running around, <laughs> but that's just what uh, – I just went blank on the Iowa State quarterback's name. Help me out here. Purdy. Purdy. Gosh, dang it, man. Uh, Purdy, that's what he does. He loves chaos. He he thrives in chaos. So it actually hindered Oklahoma the fact that they had such a good pass rush and he was able to move around. It, they, I, I want to say that they were – too aggressive they were out of control on their rushes a lot of times they allowed him to make a move and then skirt up in the pocket either run it or find somebody downfield because he's Brock Purdy um but yeah I I I think that that's where Oklahoma is getting at and if they can get and piggyback off what they did against Texas and maybe have four or five sacks against Max Duggan which he's another Brock Purdy-esque type guy that can really kill you. If you don't come in on the pass rush in control, you're going to have problems because he's got the legs to make you uh, pay for it. And I think that's going to be the key. Can they control Max Duggan in the pocket? Are they going to allow him to make plays outside of the pocket because he thrives in that? I think he, he's, he's a really good innovator in my opinion. And that, that to me is going to be one of the big uh, factors in the game. I think Oklahoma can, and I think they will a lot of the time. But I do think that Duggan is going to do Duggan things, and he's going to he's going to make big plays. I think they're going to be able to hit Oklahoma over the top once or twice. Uh, that that's been proven. Oklahoma has that happen. Oklahoma plays fifty five good minutes, sometimes great minutes of defense. But those five minutes, it doesn't matter where they're at. They're not the whole five minutes. It's not like one five-minute span. It's it's a minute here, a minute there, drive. But they're like 80-yard drives in one minute because it's a big play. And that's where Oklahoma's been killed. They Did you all know that in the fourth quarter with five minutes left, they had only given up 176 total yards to Texas? Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty man. I, I think yeah. you're talking TCU's defense right now. Are you sure you're talking about Oklahoma? Yeah. I mean, they're married. It's, very, it's crazy, yeah. right? I, mean, I do. You ever I, seen? You ever seen that spider? You ever seen that Spider-Man cartoon gif where they're pointing at each other? Oh yeah. They, they just, oh, yeah. That, that's TCU and Oklahoma's defense. <laughs> right now, they're pointing at each other. They're, oh, for they're real? The exact same. And ironically, they both have 
Alex Grinch is a magnificent defensive mind. What he's done to that Oklahoma defense in just last year and now this year, they're even better than they were last year, in my opinion. I think that they're they're more complete this year. When they get all those guys back, like the Caleb Kellys, the Jalen Redmonds, the Ronnie Perkins of the world, watch out. I think this could be a really magnificent OU defense in 2021. But they don't have them back. That's 2020, and we all know 2020 is crazy. Uh, I just, I think, like you all said, I think it's going to be a close ball game. I think it's going to be a wild ball game. I think Spencer Rattler makes some plays. I think he also hurts him, but I, I'm going to pick Oklahoma because I think he makes more plays down the end just because I think he has more weapons, and that's not a knock on TCU. I think it's just a fact that Oklahoma has ridiculous amounts of weapons, and they just do. And I'm going to pick Oklahoma 38-28. I, th- I think that's that's a fair game. I think the defenses are that good that you're not seeing the 55-44 games anymore in the Big 12 because the defenses are starting to adapt and, and recruit better and get better on that side of the ball. Uh, so you're seeing better play, in my opinion, uh, even with the good quarterback play in the, in the, in the conference. So uh, that's going to be my pick. I don't know. Am I crazy, guys? Am I crazy for my pick? That's right around where I have it. So I think that's yeah. basically what we're headed for come Saturday. But it's going to be a fun game, man. I'm excited. Yeah. So with my synopsis, do you do you agree? Do you all agree about my synopsis of Duggan, how he, he kind of thrives in chaos a lot of the times, the way he likes to move around the pocket? And he's a bigger guy, but he seems like he's he likes to move around and make things happen even when things seem to be breaking down. I'll be honest with you. It's pretty much been all chaos this year when he drops back. <laughs> so <laughs> he's been pretty year, good at it then. You know, exactly right. I mean, I, I agree with you, Brandon. Uh, and and he, he gets up for those big games. And just like the game that we always think about is, is guys that cover TCU and even fans uh, was last year against Texas. was kind of, kind of his coming out party. And I think that's what a lot of people want to see more uh, Max doing. Um, but – yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think it's going to be up, up to Max because, let's face it, he's he's going to he's going to have to make plays with that offensive line in front of him. Right. No, I, I'm. I, I really think that this could be a a really fun game to watch. I think you're going to get to see fun on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think you're going to get to see big plays from both offenses, and I think you're going to get to see some big plays from both defenses because they both seem to have really good athletes on both sides of the ball and they're both well-coached teams. So it should be a fun weekend. I think all three of us picked Oklahoma, but um, Jeremy, tell everybody what you have going on over there at hornfrogblitz.com. Well, we've, uh, we don't have any particular promotion going on right now, but we've got a lot of frog talk. I mean, we've got a a site for TCU where fans can come to and, and talk with fellow TCU fans about the season, whether it's good or bad. Uh, I, I truly believe our our message board is is the best out there for TCU fans to go out and get information. Uh, I've covered the team for 15 years. I've got great sources. Not to not to pat myself on the back so much, but it it is uh, it is something I love doing. Um, I, I enjoy bringing information to to fans, and it it's uh, just part of the 24/7 Sports Network, which is by far the best network out there for recruiting and tem- team information. So, and by the way, you guys do. Anyone listening to this, props to you guys. You guys run a, a fantastic site. 
up there at OU Insider. And, and I know the TC fans go over there quite a bit. And I know they've been over there quite a bit this week following you guys. And you guys do a fantastic job up there as well. Well, I appreciate that, Jeremy. We have, obviously, uh, myself, Colin Kennedy, Joey Helmer, RJ Young, um, Brian Bishop, uh, Alan uh, Hitchcock, all of us on there just kind of doing our thing. Uh, we have a promo going on right now, actually. We have, for $1, you get two months, which will last you through National Signing Day for you recruiting heads, you recruit Nick's. Um, and throughout the season. So you sign up today on, what is today, October 22nd? Oh, wow. October 22nd to December 22nd. So you will get throughout the whole season. You will get to be on OU Insider, get all the sourcing, get all the insider VIP news that Colin, myself, Joey, RJ, uh, Brian bring to the table. We have recruiting updates every day by myself and Colin. Team updates every day by Joey, myself, and Colin. RJ Young brings his column and insider stuff several times a week as well. Brian brings his as well. Alan brings his as well. It's a fun site. It's a growing site. It is one of the top five or six fastest growing sites on 247. It is a fun place to be. Uh, we enjoy it. We're always there answering questions. Right now we have a weekly chat going on where you ask, we answer all sorts of stuff give the best answer we can as far as without burning sources obviously jeremy can tell you that's hard sometimes um very hard to answer forthright and not not burn a source so um you have to choose your words wisely choose wisely uh so uh it's 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 fun we're growing fast there's a lot it's busy 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 i think we're almost to 10 million page views this month already so it's been pretty good pretty good week or pretty good month for us so uh Man, 247 is growing fast because of guys like Jeremy Clark over at TCU, Horn Frog Blitz, um, and a lot of other guys. We have some of the best leadership there is. It's, come join us. It's fun. And we're going to have this game covered wall-to-wall on hornfrogblitz.com and ouinsider.com. Jeremy, I really do appreciate you joining us. This has been a fun podcast. Yeah, enjoyed it, guys. Be glad to hop on anytime. You're yes, the man. sir. We yeah. we might we might need to get you for the post game. Talk about that on Saturday if you if you wouldn't mind coming on with us. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Well, there you go. We're going to get a post game with a bunch of us on a two four sevens OU TCU post game podcast. That should be fun. Jeremy, thank you so much. Colin, thank you. That's going to do it for the OU Insider Under the Visor pregame podcast. Uh, we'll see you all on Saturday. Thank you.